0: hold leverage over our emotions they can see not only what is but what can be a young woman can see in his eyes he wants to raise that miracle but past generational moments of shackled mayhem are imitated she can only cry a young man can see she wants to embrace motherhood she wants to be ready for the next phase of african tradition a reserved nature causing others to look upward but in reality Her hips are controlled by heroin-like injections of belief in anything that brings a dollar. And all he can do is holler at the fact that he wants his woman, and she wants her man. Welcome home, Columbia.
1: Namaste, bienvenidos to a new chapter of Now Serving Love. We dedicate this time to talk to individuals who have chosen to use their talents and their voice to uplift the collective consciousness. We are extremely blessed to be with you today. Namaste, welcome, hola. Thank you so much for tuning in, for being here with us today. Uh, We've been really blessed to have the opportunity to go back to our our interview format Um, today. We have a very special human being. It was truly an honor to sit down with Deep Red, a father, an artist, a teacher, a farmer, a lover. Overall, one of those human beings serving love in so many ways. It was a heart opening to hear the story behind his life experience, also with the current climate, what is it to be Uh, what we call in the external labels, a black person and a black person in America. We touch a little bit of that subject. We talk about teaching youth empowering youth. We also talk a little bit about his daughter and the role of being a single father and many, many other crazy, fun stories. I'm really, really looking forward to sharing this conversation with all of you. Also, it's the first time that we add video to our podcast, so we are improving Just for the sake of serving love. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. It's, uh, for me, it's really a, a blessing, a pleasure. I enjoy so much creating this content. And most importantly, it's a great honor to interact with human beings who have chosen their talents and their voices to uplift the collective consciousness. Ladies and gentlemen, with you, Deep Red. Check. It sounds good. Chess, chess. Yeah. Yeah. You hear yeah. Feels good. Feels good. All oh, right, brother. Wow. And it's a uh, long time. It's has long time. Wow. Man, man. It's so good to yeah. have you
0: here, bro. It's been so good to be here.
1: Uh, over 12 years or so.
0: I mean, the perfect time was my daughter was in the womb when we were taking your class. So she's just turned 12. So that, yeah, 12. 12 so, I mean, it's been like 12 years and some change. <laughs> wow. So what's happening now? Man, you know, I am. Um, wow. It's been a it's been a chaotic, gentle journey. You know, it's it's um, when I first met you, I wasn't a yoga teacher yet, but I had always worked with spoken word and creative writing. And what happened was one day I was teaching a group of students. It was a program called Operation Read. And the program was for for juveniles or for teens who had gotten out of um, jail on probation. And part of their probation was they had to take this reading program. So they were between the ages of 17 and 18, but they had a third grade reading level. So you would have these guys that were you know street smart, intellectually smart, but couldn't read. So our job was to help them learn how to read, try uh-huh. to get them up you know to a different grade level.
1: This was within the the, the juvenile center exactly. or was, oh, well, I worked for
0: I worked for an organization called People who Care Youth Center, and so it was a grant from probation. so the probation department had given this grant. So what happened one day was, you know, it can be frustrating, you know, to be 17, 18 and read at a third grade level. You think about what a third grade level is. That's like, I see the sun come up today. Yeah. And that's hard for somebody to to read on paper. So I remember one day it was about five kids in class and they were intense. It was getting rowdy. And I'd been practicing yoga for maybe about nine years. I was like, man, let me teach these guys some of these yoga movements, man. I got to calm this energy down. So I got them up and they were like, man, this is corny shit. (laughs) What do you got us doing? These warrior ones and warrior twos and breathing exercises. So I'm teaching them. They're say, you know, in front of me, but the door's behind me. So I hear the door open and I'm not tripping because you have to check in when you come up. I just thought it was probably another student coming up, which it was. But the door opens, and they start listening to me. They start doing exactly what I'm saying. And I'm like, my ego started to get like, yeah, Yeah. I got him, I got him. It wasn't me. It was a guy behind them that had just got out of juvenile hall that they knew, and they respected. He tells them, after they start listening to me, you better listen to this corny dude. I just got out of juvie six months early because I took part of the yoga program. Wow. So I had my, huh, <laughs> what? You got out of a incarceration. Yoga was a catalyst for you to be able to get out of incarceration. So I went right away, started doing my study. And like, okay, where's there a yoga program at? A yoga program that, that works with youth, that teaches children. Couldn't really find one. Found this one program. Oh, it was called Yoga Angels, I believe and um, still so have seen this
1: this was all as a result of this very moment just this, this very summer. moment was a aha moment wow. because i was i, heard, I was getting
0: yeah. i was getting frustrated man yeah, yeah. because i started to see the system yeah. you know each kid is worth 3 to 5 grand you know most of them get recidivism go back to jail committing a crime high recidivism rate high returning back but i have a connection with youth that's incredible and it's because I'm truthful. I'm 100, as they say. You know, I don't judge them. I just witness what they're going through. So when this guy walked in and told them, I was like, that's shit. That's it. I got to teach yoga. I got to combine this spoken word, this reading, these words I love with yoga. So that became the concept, spoken yoga. It's so
1: powerful, man. It's yeah. uh, <clears throat> Now, you mentioned that. I remember a um, long time ago, I worked with this this woman. She was working with health centers and they told me, um, she invited me to, come to one of the the centers and, um, do a yoga class and, um, and uh, Kirtan, I chanting. So there I was in the center, I think it's like all the way in the, at the end of the five is like an hour from here. So, and I get into the juvenile center and I remember I walk into this room. It was like a huge room where all the cells were around. It was like a center plaza kind of thing. I was wearing shorts and I was, because it was, I think it was winter, I was wearing shorts and I was wearing those og boots. Right. And all those kids are, yay, motherfuckers, you faggot, you faggot. Right. Everybody was screaming at me like wild animals. And they only let them come like, I think groups of 10 or so because okay. it was dangerous okay. when I had to come out.
0: Right,
1: And then that's, they sat down with me and I start singing this these mantras right? like, <laughs> Ram," and At the beginning, all these kids are like, what the fuck? But at the end of it, still on choir. Yeah. And some of them came and, and they were so grateful and so, such a powerful moment as well. That yeah, right? reminded yeah. me of, of that that event.
0: Well, that's, I mean, you know, and you carry that, though. You know what I'm saying? You you carry that vibration. You carry that energy. And that's what our babies need, you know, because now you can't pull the wool over their eye. You can't lie to them now. You know, back in the day, my teacher could tell me, oh, no, Columbia, the first time black people were in America was slavery. And you had to sit there and be like, okay. Then you find out. Now you tell that to a kid. He's like, No the Moors came here and so-and-so, so-and-so. Right. Christopher Columbus even went back and told the queen all these Moor temples that he saw.
1: Wait a minute. You you tell me, like you grew up with this belief that you came here
0: as a slave? When I was real young, I can remember that. I got blessed because I grew up in Chicago. Okay. So Chicago is a wild spiritual vortex because you have some of the top rabbis in the world that live in Chicago. You have... Muslims, the F.O.I. Farrakhan that lives in Chicago, Barack Obama lived around the corner from everybody, some of the biggest Christian situations going on. So you have all these faiths here. So there's something called the 5% nation. Now, the concept of the 5% nation is that 85% of the people are sheep. 10% of the people control those 85 The 5% that is left are the poor righteous teachers, Those are the ones trying to get the 85% to understand. Don't fall for the Mm okie-doke. Don't fall for the tricks. Don't be, you know. So I can remember like, you know, when I hear the word bitch and hoe used around, you know, you're my bitch or you're my N-word or you're this. Ours was to the girls, we would say, what up, Wiz? Or what up, Earth? Because they're the soil of the Earth. And their response back would be, what up, God? You know, so it was all, that was my thing growing up in Chicago. So I learned, I mean, I got to high school, college, and I I knew the truth. You know, I knew, I I knew um, that I was more than this American experience.
1: So growing up in Chicago, you you grew up in, let's say, in a a comfortable environment? You grew up in- um... So
0: the thing about being black in America is that even if you grow up super, super blessed, You're a small percentage of your family. So you always have a connection to every world. So my mom's a doctor, professor. My dad was a book salesman. So I can remember when I was 10 years old, I grew up in a town called Harvey, Illinois. Now you look up now, Harvey. If I told somebody I was from Harvey now, like, ooh, you from Harvey? Oh, man, that's that's, that's dangerous. They call it Harvey World. Well, I can remember... The gangster disciples tried to jump me one day, jump me into the gang, one of the biggest gangs still to this day out of Chicago, the GDs. And I went home and told my mom and father. Now, I was How, how's blessed.
1: That, how's that process when when they come to you and- Oh, man,
0: I'm, I'm riding down a bike path. There uh-huh. was, a, there was a, a row of houses and then a bike path and then a row of houses. So instead of an alley, it was a bike path, a beautiful okay. bike path. And I can remember riding on that bike path and they chasing me trying to jump me in. And I went home and told my parents. But what do you
1: mean, jumping in? That means- Jump you into the gang. But they come and- Try to
0: fight you, try to beat you up.
1: uh, So the way they try to get you into the gang is by beating you
0: up. Right, by beating you up. So, you know, like jump you in. They call it jumping you in.
1: Okay. So they they
0: kicked the shit out of you. They didn't catch me. They they were trying to- They were running after me. They were like, hey, you know- you're gonna be part of GDs, you know, you know where you live. You that's live how usually that how they recruited. Yeah, them. right, because you live in a community. That's mm-hmm. why when, you know, that's why it's so unfair with laws of when you tell people in certain communities that they can't associate with felons or they can't associate with gang members. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. almost like telling a young boy who's a farmer, you can't associate with farmers. And he's like, What are you talking about? I come from four generations of farmers. Yeah. So you're telling me I can't hang out with my grandma yeah, now. Yeah. You know, so anytime you live in a community, you're gang affiliated. Because if you know, if my neighbor sells Rolls Royces, I'm affiliated with a Rolls Royce salesman.
1: Yeah, yeah you're yeah, on, right. You know,
0: so yeah. It was so I was lucky that my parents were able to move that next year.
1: Wow. So there's sort of like a way of they, they they intimidate you and they say, Okay, here we are. We beat the crap out of you. Now you are under no, our right, jurisdiction you part of that. pretty not, much. Yeah, you part of and out of that. Yeah. fear, you're like, okay, I yeah. got to be part
0: not, of it. Now you're part of that organization. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, you know, I, and I think that that's what allowed me to do the work I do and not come from that environment. Because I don't have that polyander. Oh, I'm going to save the part of the black community that's distressed and poor, you know, because mm-hmm. kids pick that up. They pick that shit up right away, mm-hmm. you know, and. I'm able to relate because I had that personal experience because I'm, I come from, I'm, I'm black. So I understand that, yeah, I can come from this upward mobile situation, but not all my family comes from that. Mm-hmm. So I know all the bad spots, the Robert Taylor homes, all the spots that used to be in downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had family that were there. I was just fortunate. That's not where I had to go home at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my cousins were part of that. So my family was always so interesting because one side of my family the education level would be nothing lower than a master's degree. Everybody's a doctor. Everybody's got a master's. And the other side, whatever family they come from, they run the dope trade in there. (laughs) So my family reunions were so dope, no pun intended, because I got to see these two different groups of people that were at the top of their craft, one being legal and one being illegal. And I saw... Bad things on both sides and good things on both sides. You know, I saw the freedoms on both sides, and I saw where people were restrained on both sides. So, and when yeah. you talk about now with
1: your understanding beyond, so sort of like the the logic, the right. cerebral kind of understanding. For when sure, you, say, when sure. you say, "When you say I am black," what does that mean to you? Do you do you in any way relate to that, or would would a?
0: I... Well, I mean, I think that. I call myself that because that's what I'm called. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I think that that just is kind of ingrained with us, especially because that wasn't the first, that's not, that's a historical timeline term because we were Negroes, colored black. So because I'm 48, I came up in that age of being called black. You know, you think about when James Brown came out with that song, I'm black and I'm proud. You know, like music can be the catalyst for love as we yeah, know yeah. we're chanting. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be the catalyst for not something not so positive.
1: But within so, yeah. this realm of you practicing yoga, meditation, yeah, yeah, all this yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. like, let's say when you, when you shut down your senses, you go within, you have this moments right. where it's not a duality, but it's, it's, it's sort of like we can achieve these places where there's no identification with the physical body. Yes, right? yes, yes. So what you in that moment, when you say now I am, who am I?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why I love having my eyes closed so much. That's why I love meditation, because I'm not black. I'm a spirit being on this human experience, you know, who happened to come from a part of the world where my skin looks like this to protect me out of function. My eyes look this way out of function. If you're Asian, your eyes look that way because of where you were born and the way the sun hit you. And the Mm -hmm. sun, the eye had to take on that shape to protect you you know so i understand that scientifically you know i understand that the american experience and then the spiritually you know i'm nothing i'm just a spirit inside of this shit bag <laughs> inside yeah, of this yeah, vehicle
1: yeah.
0: yeah and yeah and i and that's why i think it's such a that's why everybody's story is so important you know, that's, yeah. And so this is a, a sort of a conflict
1: for you now to have this understanding, I'm nothing, I'm experienced, but when I'm in this sort of realm of the human right. experience, sure, like sure. I am I am black.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it. you know, I've had so many experiences and that's why what's going on right now is so, I can't even give it a label what's going on, good or bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just revealing, you know, People have never felt comfortable sharing their stories. You know, now you always have that person that you say, talk more, or you're talking too much, right? Yeah. Some people will overshare, some people will undershare. But you have a lot of people right now that, like, people don't know what we go through as black men on the daily, you know, what literally. Are, a what daily, are the things
1: that you go through?
0: Literally coming here, literally getting off the bus, coming from first putting in the address wrong, so being a mile away. Mm-hmm. So, walking through this beautiful community and knowing when someone is responding to me out of genuine love, or knowing when somebody's responding to me out of fear, or to be like, I know that there's only 2% black homeowners on here, so why are you on this street right now? Do you feel that? Oh, no, I experienced that. You like, I experienced literally that? just experienced that coming here. A woman had, th- their daughters were like, bye, mom, we'll see you. We're running. She caught eye contact with me. Uh-huh. She, come back here right now. Wow. Come back here right now. And because they're so connected <laughs> wow. to spirit in their young age, they yeah. are like, why? We already said bye. Because uh-huh. Uh-huh. I told you to. <sighs> they come back. So, you know, I get my peripheral vision, you know what I mean? I walk because I called you and I passed. Remember, yeah, I passed yeah, where yeah, I yeah. was. She was watching me where I was going, saw me come back, and then let the girls go back the way they were going.
1: So for you, you you have developed this awareness that there is this whole world around you that is judging you. That, just yeah, by-
0: that is judging me. And that mm-hmm. like I always said, I had a poem and I couldn't find it because we put it out before social media. And, but it was called, if Malcolm X was here today, he'd be a yogi. Mm -hmm. You know, I can remember taking a class and I don't even, you know, it was a yoga studio in Hollywood. I'm walking into class. I look up, Angela Davis is walking out, which is a trip because I know her niece. I mean, amazing family. And that validated a woman who was on the front lines on the FBI top 10 most wanted list. It's all about wellness right now because that shit will drive you fucking crazy because I could have done two things, three things. Many, I could have did what I did, validated the moment, let it go because I'm at such a great place where they don't define me because if someone calls you a criminal or thinks you're going to do, you start to say, well, maybe I am that Mm -hmm. or maybe I should take that on. Since you think I'm that, I'll be that. Since you think I'm going to take your purse. Let me borrow two hundred dollars. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? You know, yeah. so you know, I, I was able to breathe it in and have compassion. I mean, uh, man, Andres, I'm, that's such a place where compassion is. That's an art form. You know, that's what I want to be known for when I leave this experience. It's like that man was a compassion artist. Yeah. You know, so I now I'm able to, but so I know what my students go through. You know, what I mean, I know why some people, you know, live. This is only eight miles. From Mer Park, this is only eight miles. Eight miles is nothing. I can show you a group of children that have never been to Santa Monica, that have never been to Venice Beach. There's parts of Santa Monica where one of the first black surfers used to surf. You got Inkwell. You know, they did a movie about it. Yeah. You know, we used to own tons of property down here and because mm-hmm. of redlining and things like that. Yeah. It got taken away. But and not only did it get taken away, but the history got taken away so people don't know. So when they look at me like, oh, you're a white boy, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm a white boy. Mm-hmm. If anything, call me, you know, Samoan boy. You know <laughs> what I mean? You're going to yeah. stereotype surfing, yeah, yeah. boogie boarding. But we think that anything that sometimes has to do with wellness is not for us. So that's been my mission is to reintroduce wellness to our community. I'm not teaching anything. I'm reintroducing and people trip out. No, this, they already know this stuff. They just don't know what's in them. Yeah. You know. And throughout like this
1: last couple of weeks with everything yeah, that's going yeah, on, the climate in yeah. this country and everything, have, have sure. you felt like, um, and energetically, have you felt some sense of, of shift? Like even just the interaction with like white people. So do you feel like a little bit more supportive? What was I, your exp- has been your experience I, for you?
0: I feel humans. Mm-hmm. I feel humans. And what I mean by that is, We are the most imperfect beings. And, you know, there's self-preservation. There's preservation of your children. There's preservation of community. And then there's world preservation. So I understand right now you have a group of humans that are doing self-preservation. And I'm not mad at them. You know, I, because I'm an involuntary chameleon and I can just go inside I get to hear beautiful conversations. When you so I refer
1: get, to a, a, a group of, you you, you mean the police or?
0: No, I just mean, I mean, everybody that's non-black right now, that's mm-hmm. part of the movement. Mm-hmm. Visually, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I went, I'm seeing Utah, who I think has 1% black population out there, you mm-hmm. know? And there are some authentic moments, but there also are moments of people that are saying, hey, I want to protect my property, So all Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I don't want to lose my job. So Black Lives Matter. Hey, you know, I don't want to lose revenue at my company. So Black Lives Matter. Hey, my whole life, I've grown up with Black people that I love that would die for me. I would die for them. Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Um, Funny thing, coming, I was in Glendale. There was a march going on and there was a whole white family with Black Lives Matter signs. And then I'm walking by and the mother grabs her daughter and I giggled inside. I was like, damn, you got a Black Lives Matter sign and you scared of this black man <laughs> who, if you really got to know, yeah. is, 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 is very phenomenal. And you're probably very phenomenal, too. Yeah. But how can I expect you to change overnight? So now it's just the dress rehearsal. This is a dress rehearsal. You haven't made the play yet. You think about when you audition for something. Great job, everybody! But don't get your you know you haven't been hired yet. And I saw a great thing online. It was a it was a comic, and it was people walking up a hill. It was a cartoon, and it was a white person, and they were like, <sighs> and the black person's like, oh no, we got far to go still. This mm-hmm. was just the beginning. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm excited because now people can be held accountable. Yeah. Now it's like, wait a minute, bro, you were just out there with your family. Black lives matter, black lives matter, but you own a business and haven't hired anybody that doesn't look like you. You know, because a lot of racism is institutional. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at a lot of communities like, like, so if you look at this community here, you look at a community. I think, you know, you, you can, you'll have people that are not famous that are living in an amazing way. And then the black people that live in that community are the famous ones. Oh, you had to get here because of basketball. You had to get here because of acting. But maybe why can't I just, you know, get here because, you know, because those are the only access ways into certain communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that it's, it's a beautiful time right now, you know.
1: Y- using the analogy of yoga, for instance. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a humongous, like endless subject, but using the analogy of yoga, for instance, if uh, a lot of people come to the practice because they're attracted by the physical aspect of it.
0: Right, right. And
1: we say, even if they just come and practice because they want to... Um, get more uh, fit or because they're interested in the workout part of it, even if that's the venue that's going to take them to a a place of more of awareness, uh, a more mindfulness, it doesn't matter. Because for some people like their minds are so all over the place, judgmental and so on that the only way is going to really impact them. The only way it's going to start working naturally is if you take the rhythm can be workout, right? And right. you can take the rhythm and match that rhythm, and through that <clears throat> rhythm, they're gonna start having the sort of like the gift of it.
0: Right, so you right. feel
1: like right now there's a little bit of that happening in this country. With even though people are just holding the signs and everything, it starts to starts to sink into their psychic.
0: I do. I, I think it does. That's why I started off when you'd ask me about it. Like we're all human. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not demanding or expecting anything from anybody right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so unfair, you know, to tell a group of young black children who have self-inferior complexes because they're black or because of slavery DNA. It's so unfair to ask a white person who has a slave master DNA, mm-hmm. you know, it's time to learn who you are and doing the work is tough. Bring it back to yoga. It's easy to do the whoosh, the fast movements, the the all this. Mm-hmm. But then when you really got to do the work, when you really got to go inside and look in the mirror, I think that's the beauty that's going to come. It's about to be some intense beauty. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. I feel it coming. You know, I feel that. You feel it coming. I feel it. When you coming. feel it coming. I, right, right, I do. Yeah. I Man, I do. I do because mm-hmm. I mean, the kids. I mean, come on. I mm-hmm. I teach. I teach about. Well, I teach 18 months all the way up to college consistently during the week. So I have three daycares where they range from 18 months to two. I teach, I have four kindergarten classes, you know, so from, I get to see people in love with each other, no matter what they look like. Not stuff. ah, no, I get to see it. I get to see it. Then you start to get to the, you know, that sixth grade, that seventh grade, that eighth grade, the depression sets in. You know, the choosing, the clicks, all the, the setting, the all the programming, and all the wiring. the programming. So I get kind of to, so it's almost like a brain fuck for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit. That's why I love teaching at the root. That's why I think what I do is so powerful because I'm a farmer. I'm a poor, righteous farmer. I'm planting seeds right now. Like, mm-hmm. I won't even get to see a lot of the things that are going to happen, you know, from a lot of these babies when they become 30, 40, 50 years old. But I know I'm planting seeds. I know that when I can, see a kindergarten coming, Mr. Melvin, where's your, Mr. Melvin, can I lead downward facing doll today? Mr. Melvin.
1: <sighs> mm.
0: Come on, man. I didn't have that. Yeah. I you love know? when you say when
1: you say that, that I'm a farmer. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to it in a second, but before, for sure, for because sure. I don't, I don't want to lose it. Um, oh yeah. You say we all are humans. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you if that's your, understanding what's your feeling about a topic like the police.
0: Mm, okay. Well, but, and I'm, yeah, you, yeah, the yeah.
1: reason why I'm asking you this yeah. is because, you know, there's a lot of heat right now, with the police right, and everything. Right, right, and, right, and, right, right. And I also think they're humans. For sure, for and, sure. And some of them- Really got into this whole thing because they really want to serve. They really yeah, want to protect. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. And I, I read this thing about this this guy uh, police from New York, and he tells a story of like how many times he's been shot, how many times this, how many times that. And you know, he he's a he's a, a, a householder, has two kids, and everything. Mm-hmm. And 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 this is a very honest, so human being, right, right. But then we have. What they call the bad apples, which sure. it was, uh, I think it was that uh, Chris for Rock sure. says uh, when he says uh, there's all kind of uh, of jobs where you know they can be bad apples. Like, but you know, um, if you're a a, a a police, you can be a bad apple. It's like if you're a, if you're a pilot, airplane pilot, you can be a you know a bad, bad apple. Right? Can't be a bad
0: yeah. apple. Yeah. Yeah. So I, with yeah, um, so for me. First I'll go on experience, you know, my first experience with police was when I was, wow, I think 11 years old and they mistook me for, they've mistaken me, mistook me for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I can remember they had a green van. So to this day, I hate green cars and Mm -hmm. I hate green vans. So that was my. I'm glad business. I'm wearing my green. Oh t-shirt. no no no, no. You good? This so is in that green <laughs> yeah, family. No, no no The color green. I love some beautiful things. I love that are green. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, but um no I um so up to last year I did a documentary film with um, LAPD and SWAT team. Mm-hmm. And what it was, I teach at a, one of the beautiful places. I teach. Wait, you didn't?
1: Let's go back to you were 11 and the green van yeah. and what happened.
0: Nothing, nothing. They yeah. just, you know, they- But it was peaceful or was out. not- No, it wasn't peaceful. It was intense. I had to prove who I was. Handcuffed, ground. Oh, man, oh, no, oh, no, not ground, shit. just handcuffed, you know, mm-hmm. pat me down and they mm-hmm. let me go. But that's a traumatic, that's a traumatic moment. For you know 11-year-old I mean? boy. Yeah, boy. Or, or 48-year-old man, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, 46-year-old. Yeah. 40, yeah, I mean, for anybody, yeah. is shit, you know. No, that,
1: those yeah. guys can be uh, intensive, but,
0: oh, and, intense. And what's scarier, I think what's scarier- now, then when you're young, because when you're young, you look up to adults and you think they know everything. So that's scary because you're like, maybe I did something wrong. What's scary now is like, oh, shit, I'm double this little kid's age. Now, he's a 23-year-old police officer, but he don't know nothing. He talking to me in hip-hop jargon. He talking to me like he doesn't even never seen a bl- educated, you know what I mean? So that's scarier. It's, it's you know, fear comes in when you realize animal. Right. An animal, because you realize I don't have a higher level of thinking. Yeah. You know, as, but as a kid, you don't, you think they have a higher level of thinking because they're an, an adult. So now I have more compassion, you know, because I think I saw a great study that showed most countries, you have to have a high level of education, like two to three years. So I think Norway is like two years of education. Um, Sweden, I, I believe it's like three years education. And then they show the level of education And then they show the level of killings that go on To, you mean to become a police? Right, right In America, you need 20 You need a high school degree And 21 weeks of training Hmm. I can think about what I was like at 18 Yeah And then 21 weeks is barely five months
1: Well, with that same state command and like third world countries, South America, you don't even need a a, a high school education, you know? Yeah. And and and
0: usually that the story goes with (coughs) it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So how how can you ask somebody, you know, to critically think they don't have the ability to, but they're supposed to protect you. So you're supposed to protect me and you don't have the ability to critically think. You're supposed to protect me. But when you see me, you see the stereotype. Because you've never had the experience, you know, when you, so it's like, wow, you know, so going back to the question about police, I mean, that documentary I did, basically the concept was we took six kids, about six to 10 kids and six to 10 officers. And the officers were in their regular clothes. We brought them in. I taught them yoga. We had pizza. We had fun. And they thought it was just a community interaction. They were just talking to members of the community about how could they better the community. So they did that for two hours Then the police went to change. Mm. Then they walked back into the room and the kids were like, oh, shit, <laughs> wow. you a fucking cop, you Jake, you 12, you a pig, you know what I'm saying? But they had just had this amazing two hour experience uh-huh. with them. There's a documentary. Yeah. And it was Where what, can we watch it? It was it? for, you know what, I got to try to find a copy. It was for... The 2019 cadets. It was a specific okay. documentary. It's it was like for internal, the graduating. Yeah, it okay, was an okay. internal documentary okay. so that the graduating cadets it would help them. You know, so once again, that's my thing. How can I be a, a helping agent? You know, how can I be part of? You know, bringing us unifying, bringing us together. You know, mm-hmm. I. You know, right now, if someone busts in this house, you know, I didn't bring a strap. I don't know if you got a gun. You know, we gonna call the police. You know, now the thing about rural communities, the blessings is they don't, right? <laughs> right? They take care of it themselves. Yeah. But 98% of the people are going to, how can you hate somebody you call instinctively? You know, how can you hate the fire department? But if this house catches on fire, we're calling the fire department. You know, so that that's why I don't talk a lot about this topic because going back to race, going back to being a black man, we're all put in the same cup. We're all supposed to be anti-police. We're all supposed to have issues. We're all supposed to believe the same thing. So you grew up with that belief anti-police? No, I didn't. I
1: mean, but it's it's sort of like...
0: It's it's a stereotypical belief people think you should have, you know? So that's why, you know, and and what happens is like a lot of people are loving what's going on. But for a lot of us, it's a weird time. Like, I don't need people. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) Hey! We love you. Black lives matter. Like I walked past you seven times in seven months and you haven't said anything. Hmm. You cross the street now because now this changed you. Okay. Okay. Hey, but the work begins now. You just can't go back inside of your, once again, self-preservation. Once you're back inside the fortress, you don't care what's going on outside. You know what I'm saying? I've seen buildings that have had all live matters painted on them and you go research the business and they've never had black CEOs of color. You know what I'm saying? They've made comments about they don't care that their clothes are being bought in the community because that community is really only 3%. Yeah, like if of so many products. things it just just becomes right, a, right, a great right. opportunity Gucci. for... Right, yeah. right. I mean, I, I can remember um, working out at a Hollywood boxing, boxing gym in 96 and I think his name was... Eric Lauren, he's like the nephew of Ralph Lauren, and I remember some one, some somebody was joking. I would never wear that stupid polo shit, and which is funny, right? Because yeah. we spend millions yeah. and millions of dollars, yeah. on, especially in Chicago, they love polo. Yeah. But people will tell you, yeah, it looks like you guys celebrate our clothes more than anybody. See, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. You celebrate our products more than anybody, but when it comes to the bottom line, you're only one to four percent of our business. So we really don't. It's yeah. cool, you wear our stuff, but we really don't care. we really don't want you to.
1: I mean at that level, I wouldn't be surprised even that, that some of the uh, CEOs of uh, Gucci uh, were hiring people to go and do looting in their stores to just get advertising.
0: Come on, man it I mean there's an opportunity know,
1: for that, right that's, I mean you
0: think about think yeah. about theft within itself. I mean that's built there's a department for, for loss. yeah, you can't fund that department unless you have loss you know that yeah. and that's what i realized working in gang prevention when i found out there's like a 99 million dollar budget i could be off on those numbers lower or higher but if gang violence stops that budget has gone there's somebody making 150 grand a year because of killings in the street yeah there's somebody with a high level job so if we cure it and that's everything that's just not yeah, well, that's well, everything. we have yeah.
1: we have this mm, like modern slavery with, you know, black communities, Hispanics, you know, for all sure. these people work yeah. uh, like incarcerated, which are like just, mm-hmm. you know, um, doing all the work for free for this big, big corporations like Victoria's Secret and yeah. so on. So I want to go back to, um, to where this whole thing began and, and let you where you are. For sure. For sure. So we, you, you were, you, you grew up in Chicago uh, and you say you move, from Chicago, you guys yeah, went so to- Yeah, so I grew up in
0: a town, so to be more specific, mm-hmm. Harvey, Illinois. Right. And then my parents, we moved to a place called Mattson, Illinois. My mm-hmm. parents built a house in a place called Mattson. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Matson, Illinois from 10 to 14. My life, besides that one moment almost getting jumped in, was amazing. Mm-hmm. My life was like, you can't say it now because Cosby isn't anybody that people talk about, but- It was like the Cosby show. You know what I mean? It was, I was blessed, man. And the Cosby show when I'm growing up, it was amazing. It was amazing, right? And that was, you know, people were like, that's what I want. That's what I had. My mom was a doctor. My dad was a salesman. You know, we were part of some of the top black organization, socialite organizations in the black community. But my father abused my mother. And I can't remember that night hearing... The phone hit the side of her ear and she comes out bleeding. And I held a knife to my father and said, if you come downstairs, I'll kill you. Mm -hmm. And I drove my mother to the hospital. From that day, I lost my mother because now she was my friend. You know, you were 14. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my mother, my brother, we all moved to St. Louis. And that was 1986. So after that event, your mom left? Yeah, my mom left. mm. What was crazy was she did not just leave. Every weekend, she would go to St. Louis to interview for principal jobs. Hmm. So I'd had to stay at home with the man that abused my mom. And not only that, hide the secret of where she was. Hmm. You know, once again, if I had the mother-son relationship still, I wouldn't even know why she was in St. Louis. I would just think Ma was on a trip. Mm-hmm. But because it was best friends, it was like listen, we're moving to St. Louis. I'm gonna go try to find jobs. Don't tell your dad. you don't tell it mm-hmm. to a child. Yeah. So now the guy' that's making me dinner every night. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. So
1: I, I can completely yeah, relay because my, yeah. my my parents divorced when I was five years old. Okay. And there was uh, uh, my mom's sister, uh, my dad always blamed her for the divorce mm-hmm. and my dad hated her. So my mom always will go there, and my mom will say, "Don't tell
0: your dad I brought you here."
1: So it's keeping those secrets, and then you're like, like "I'm I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm I'm just a kid. Why are you weighing me down? Why
0: are you, you know?" So when I got to St. Louis, I was an angry kid because my mom moved us to a, you know, beautiful neighborhood. She was the assistant principal of my high school. Mm -hmm. That wasn't supposed to be that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I literally went from. My eighth grade summer, falling in love with a girl named Janice. Oh, she was beautiful. She looked just like Sade. I'll never forget. (laughs) Oh, she was amazing. I couldn't wait to go to ninth grade, man. I was just like, I'm going to get Janice. I'm ready. I'm not corny. Even though I was still corny. I'm not corny no more. And we had to move to St. Louis. Hmm. And now I moved to this town where I don't know anybody, but I'm the only kid with divorced parents. The only one. The only kid. The only one. So I became so angry, and I just wanted to fight. And, you know, I um, self-medicated. I drank. You know, I can remember Mike Curran. Mike Curran's dad had the nozzles. Had the People had their bar, own bar at home, mm-hmm. but he had the full bar. We had literally the bar nozzles mm-hmm. where, you know, you pour the shot. Yeah. He had that on there, and we would always drink um, the white liquor, because you could always replace that with water. Hmm. And because he had his drinking things, he probably never noticed it. Yeah. You know, so that four years, man, was I was a character, you know, because I always was presentable. I always was the one that the parents wanted their daughters to go out with because he was yes, sir, no ma'am. And I was always respectable, dressed like I was supposed to dress. But I had this hidden dark side to me, you know, because I didn't want to be in the town I was in. I missed my dad. I hated my stepdads, you know, brothers and sisters. And yeah, yeah. So I just think that my life prepared me for the work I do.
1: You know? And after those four years, you moved somewhere Been, out? In those
0: four years, 18, I never looked back. I went to Illinois State University for college. That's, so I went back to Illinois. And that's a, um, in a place called Normal, Illinois, <laughs> far from normal. So I went there for undergraduate. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I um, stayed for graduate school and I can rem- I used to read poetry and perform poetry. And my cousin's a comedian. His name is Cedric the Entertainer. So he was doing comedy. He was His career was really growing. You know, I was getting tired of graduate school. And he was like, listen, man, I'm moving out to L.A., just got this new show called The Steve Harvey Show, you know, just come out. You know, I was like, well, OK, he's my big cousin. If he would have moved to Oregon, I'd have moved to Oregon, but it happened to be L.A., so I was like, okay. And my mama, everybody was so pissed because I dropped out of grad school with one class and my thesis left. And my mom's dream was, you know, you're going to finish that. You're going to go get your, have your PhD by 25, 26. When we go out to eat dinner, people will say, oh, Dr. Boyce and Dr. Boyce. You know, that was mm-hmm. her thing. She yeah. wanted me to follow that path. But, um, but I came out to LA with my cousin, you know, and, and he's from the other side of the family, my dad's side, my first cousin, Cedric. So, I came out here in 1996. And yeah, that journey was incredible. You know, it's like I literally went from normal Illinois to being hardcore Hollywood. Because my cousin was on one of the biggest TV shows in the game. He was on the Kings of Comedy tour, you know. So he was like, we were, you know, yeah. And and you moved with him here in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. We moved, we lived off of um, Hawthorne and um, Hollywood and Hawthorne. We had two townhouses. The first townhouse, um, his sister, husband, and manager, and, and road manager lived, and then me, Cedric, and his manager Swan. We lived in apartment three. No kitchen table. We ate on the pool table. Partied on the pool table. We had Sega play Sega mm-hmm. on the on the water coolers, and so that was ninety six. Yeah. So I was yeah, and um, you know what happened was. I went and got a job at a place called J and J Peepers because I love working. I'm, you know, he's my cousin, but I take care of myself. And then because of my look, someone told me you should do extra work. And I was like, okay. And then I get to do extra work. My locks were long then. That was when Lenny Kravitz was big. So you know, everybody was rocking the Lenny Kravitz locks. And the guy was like, listen, man, I'm with an agency called Dragon Talent. We make money modeling. We make money doing commercials. I'm like, how much y'all make? I was like, what? (laughs) And I got with an agency and started doing my own thing. And that's when I started to realize that my cousin and I were coming to a standstill. Mm -hmm. You know, I love them to this day. But I think that, you know, you have this beautiful table right here. And it feels good to be able to feed everybody at this table, to know that you provided food. But it feels safer to know you've taught everybody how to cook. Mm-hmm. Because what if you get taken out? Then they were just looking at you to eat versus saying, okay, now we can take that place at the mantle. And I just always felt that, oh, I'll never forget this day. He's like, Man, I gotta show you a new billboard that got on sunset. And you got a billboard on sunset right on the um laugh factory when they used to mm-hmm. paint pictures, yeah, yeah. right? And it was and it was so incredible because I was just about to tell him, dude, I got a billboard on Melrose. I want to show you. (laughs) After we celebrated his billboard on Sunset, we go past the Sunglass Hut. It was for Killer Loop Sunglasses. Wow, wow. I showed him my billboard after his and the excitement wasn't the same. Now, it could have been perceived. Maybe I wanted him more. He could have been totally happy for me. But I started to realize that I was intimidating to him. So you, you felt like there was a bit of jealousy in there? I felt um, jealousy, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, the breaking point was we had a table read for a movie. And my mind is really wild, right? So there's this thing called Bum Boy, this restaurant called Bum Boy. And it's this huge thing. So one day I made this idea of what if Bum Boy had the fixations with butts, right? Buns, butts. Mm-hmm, yeah. And imagine him being a chef, digging in his butt in the bathroom, whatever. Somebody sees him, and then he goes back out and cooks for that family. And they're like, ugh, nasty. Well, everybody used to always joke about my writing. They'd be like, that's weird, man. Your writing's weird. And then one day we were at a table read for a movie called Johnson Family Vacation, and that scene showed up in the script. Uh-huh. And that was the last day me and my cousin ever had eye contact like we're having right now because he knew what he did. Hmm. But once again, man, you're my cousin. You can have whatever I have. So he took your writing and put it into- He took my uh, idea and put it into a film. Mm -hmm. And I just felt that, you know, I'll never forget hanging out with Marlon Wayans once. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, we got to have eight or nine mansions because they're going to burn one of these mansions down. All of our brothers don't really like, we're not all best friends, but we got to put everybody in power of positions Mm -hmm. so that if they take us, one of us out, We still got seven fortresses left. And I just felt as though he had to be the king at the table. He calls himself a king. He had to be the king at the table. And even now to this day, I have so much compassion because it's just him. You know, and I don't know, you know who the Wu Tang Clan is, the rap group, the Wu Tang Clan. You know, everyone at that, in that group is so powerful and our family was so powerful, but we all broke up to do our separate things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I took the confidence to leave and I was, I sacrificed myself. Mm. My family judged me for leaving, you know, they believed all the narratives that were created, mm-hmm. why I left, but it just happened that it wasn't right. It didn't feel good. And I always love to leave on the top. I'll never leave you when you're down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm going yeah, to leave you yeah. when I know the fridge is full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to leave you when you're down. So mm-hmm. I left on the set of Barbershop too when he was at his height of filmmaking. And I went back to graduate school because I needed a place to live. That didn't work out. And then I came back out here in 2006. So you went back yeah. to you Illinois left LA? Yeah, yeah. I left L.A. I went back to normal Illinois. Mm-hmm. And this is what's so funny is I had did a movie called Black Spring Break 2. Okay. It's a cult underground terrible movie but you know how those terrible movies Mm -hmm, are cult mm -hmm, classics mm -hmm. and I played a character called Weedhead so I didn't think anything of it I I go back to normal I'm sitting down eating I'm like cool I can come down here for a year get free room and board pretend like I'm going to finish my masters because I drop back out and and no one will know me I haven't been in school in 10 years I'm eating hey man that's Weedhead (laughs) I'm like what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no I came here to hang out and Yeah Not be seen And yeah. now This terrible cult film I was a superstar On this small little campus now Everybody wanted you know So yeah. Left there Came back to LA And um, yeah And you came back here Because <sighs> I didn't know where else to go You, you know? didn't
1: have a clue What were you going to do I Just it. like it, can- it
0: Well you know I had my poetry community mm-hmm. here Because from 96 to 99, I had a successful poetry venue called Red Sea Poetry. It was at a place called Lucy Florence Coffee House. And it was amazing three years. So I was known for my poetry. And then with my cousin, I had the opportunity to travel around the country for like a summer and spread my poetry around. That was a beautiful opportunity. So I was like, okay, I'll come back to LA and get back in teaching. And then that's when I started working with the Operation Reed program. And that's when I found the yoga. So I've been teaching yoga now for like since 2008, 12 years. So I came back in 2006 and then found, um, I'd always still been practicing yoga. But I'll start teaching in 2008.
1: Yeah. And when you start teaching, do you, uh, before that, you prepare yourself in certain ways? Or it was just out of your own oh, practice?
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Whew. The Dharma Health Institute. It was first called Shakti. Mm-hmm. Uh, my teacher is, his name is uh, Master Z um, in Zazi Malonga from the Congo. I had a, I trained for a year every like three days. It was like a master's program. Mm-hmm. It was for a year. Um, and he broke me down. I never had a man break me down. My father, we didn't have that connection mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. age, you know, and he broke me down. He um, he made me look at myself in the mirror. Physically, I got my body to a level I'd never gotten it to, you know, got that weakness out the muscles, out the tendons, out the tension. And I can, i always remember one day I came to him crying And he was, I walked into his office and he was like, close the door. And I was like, okay, I close the door and I go in. He's like, no, go on the other side and close the door. Like leave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, huh? He's like, well, what time did you wake up? I was like, seven, eight o'clock. What did you eat? Blah, blah, blah. How's your practice? Whatever. What can I do for you if you're not taking care of yourself? Mm. So I gave him the finger, went away for a year, came back you were right master z i had to take care mm. of myself so he's you know he's part of the reason why i still study my manual from him you know he's the reason why i still practice tai chi and qigong and i have patience he's the reason why i understand that when you put yourself first you sacrifice a lot i even look at him in later life he's inspiring to me he's 65 and he's got a new set of kids now like Two and four years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, it is never too late. Mm-hmm. You know, you maybe yeah. can find yeah. that one person yeah. Yeah. that gets you, you know. So, yeah, he. Um, yeah.
1: What are some of the uh, greatest teachings you got from him? Man. Those who you live by, like, wow.
0: Just the work. It's all about the work, it's all about the practice, you know. It was almost being gangster in a spiritual way. Because mm-hmm. on the streets, you got to put in work. Mm-hmm. You got to move work. Well, in this yoga practice, you got to put in the work. You can't bullshit the work. You know, he wasn't about talk. If he hadn't seen you in a year, he would ask you to sit in Wu Chi. Wu Chi is like a meditative stance. You know, you're, you're sitting like this. And he could tell by the way your legs were shaking. He could tell by the way you were breathing. Mm -hmm. If you had put in the work, Mm -hmm. you know, he'd touch in your belly to see what your core felt like. You know, so it was like, he just told me like, fuck the bullshit. He's the realest. You know what I mean? I love Master Z. He's just, you know, and he's almost like Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. Where like, you might not see him, but once every five years, but you're always thinking about him. To graduate, we had to climb a rock mountain at the top of Joshua Tree. Mm. So I was the last one. I never made it to the top. I, I, I got that video. I'll find that video one day. And I peed on myself. I can remember I just hung at the top mm-hmm. of the mountain. I'm just mm-hmm. scared as hell. It's either go up or come down. I still haven't touched that mountaintop. Mm. But it was a beautiful experience because it's not about getting to the top. It's
1: I love like, I know. love the story. Then uh, nowadays is a little complicated with so many things that you yeah. know people are so uh, affected by you know this yeah. uh, political incorrect isn't that right. but. Um, but I love those kind of stories, those kind of trainings. Right. There's, a, there's a famous teacher that uh, I heard a story, and his teacher training the at the end in ceremony. What he will do is he will he will actually take duck shit, duck okay. shit, right, and right. put it in the altar. And that was his way of telling all the students: life can be very shitty,
0: mm. and you're
1: gonna have to deal with this. Yeah. And if you have any sort of like preconceptions, anything that you're not. Okay with it You're going to have A really really hard time yeah, yeah So it's just Different ways to teach
0: Right It is, it is. There's so many times That you know Like Because what I'm going through Now in my life As a father And that not being As comfortable As I want to be There's times I just want to go See Master Z And I would go see him In my thoughts And I would see myself Again walking in that room And him saying Either close the door With you on the outside Or realize you don't need me Mm -hmm. to practice. You need me, but you ask me things that you can solve yourself. I think you know, so that yeah. yeah. Which
1: which in the end all of these methods, whatever method you use, they, they're supposed to be self-destructive in a way that they become a trap, right? If you get locked in the in the method, because the method, what is it doing really? is telling you, okay, do you want to get to the Pacific Ocean? This is how you're going to get. But once you get into the ocean, just jump in there and start swimming. But right, most right. people get locked in that method, that system. And it becomes yeah, yeah. just another hindrance, another jail, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know now, I mean, me and you, I mean, started and I don't know when, how long you've been teaching when I met you, but it's a whole nother world now. You know, yeah. you got three week yoga programs. You know, I got literally people telling me oh, I'm a yoga teacher and it's almost like go back to the police. <laughs> You're a police officer literally with five weeks of training. Mm-hmm. You're a yoga teacher with literally five weeks of training, mm-hmm. you know, and not to demean any of that, but there's something about. Man, how I was trained! That was incredible. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm thinking
1: about reading, uh, writing a book. Is called uh, "Why Why Did I Quit Teaching Yoga?" <laughs>
0: right, right. In a
1: way, it's sort of a saying because it's a fine line. What you said, yeah, there, there's yeah. a there's a lineage, there's a whole uh, world preparation and respect to the ritual and so on. Yeah. But now, like everything else, just pay pay a couple grand and three weeks. You're good, man. You get your certification. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and that's what's so interesting within the um, you know, it's an important, it's important. It's almost yeah. like the pilot, the Chris Rock thing you say, yeah, that you yeah. can't have bad apples in yoga. Yeah, you're dealing with people's emotions, you know, and you're dealing with people's psyche. And what you have right now is an influx of yoga in schools, and an influx of people that don't look like the children, you know. I've had to turn down contracts because people were like, we want you. You know, you can't, I can't, you can't have me. I, I'm here. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's a privileged occupation. Yeah. It's a privileged occupation. I mean, it's, you know,
1: it is, you can close it your is.
0: eyes and say yoga instructor and you visualize what you see on the cover of yoga journal. You visualize what you see and so you've got people going into these communities that don't look like the people that are trying to tell them okay now what we're going to do is you know we're going to yeah, yeah. You know, and what if they have the precon and and I have kids tell me like, man, we had a lady in here and she was scared of us the whole time teaching the yoga, but we could tell she was scared, <laughs> so we were fucking with her the whole time, like as you right. should have been. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. dare she walk in to try to teach you love, compassion, create a safe space when she didn't feel safe? Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's, you know? it's, it's, a, it's a tough one.
0: It's a tough one.
1: We have in our teacher training manual. There's a there's a, a chapter It's called this the seat of the teacher. Which mm-hmm. is all about that. So you do this this program for a year, Master C, and so on. So yeah, yeah. what happens after
0: that? Well, after that, business wise, I said, okay. Well, let me go back to where I have all my creative writing contracts. But, and
1: this is already your your daughter, Dakota. Was already born, or mm-hmm.
0: it was Dakota was a year? Wow, wait, mm-hmm. Dakota was just born when I started because I became a teacher. I want to say two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Dakota was born in 2008.
1: Okay, so, so you you'd taken this 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 leap of faith, right. and you have a daughter to take care right. of.
0: Right. Well, well mm-hmm. what it was was her mother. Excuse me, was an incredible massage therapist. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Listen, I'm gonna get this yoga down. You get that massage down. We build these businesses, and we'll have the biggest wealth on the planet, which is time." because all I ever wanted to be was a dad. I actually did a one man show called Lotus Father. And in writing it, I remembered that when I was nine, I asked my dad for a stroller. And he was like, boys don't need strollers. Like he got mad at me. And I couldn't understand it because I was like, I'm jealous of girls because they get to pretend to be mommies all day long. Why can't we pretend to be daddies? I don't want to pretend to be a mommy. I want to pretend to be a daddy. So I get that preparation. And that was my goal when my daughter was born. Like, man, we're going to create this lifestyle where I never we never have to be away from each other or we can make so much per hour that we only have to work three hours a day. And so I got a job after I got my training. I got a job at a pre pre at a um, daycare, which was amazing. They had a river in the back. They had a farm. They had chickens. So I got my daughter in there. So from my daughter being in preschool, I was my daughter's yoga teacher from preschool to the first week of fifth grade. Mm. I was an educator at my daughter's institution for her first seven years on this planet. Wow. You know, So I literally, and if I would have had this conversation a year ago, I'd be in tears right now because of where the present state that it's in. But I have so much compassion because I was planting seeds that whole time. Those memories can't be taken away. And her mother is an amazing, amazing spirit. We just met as victims. I met her when I just came back to LA, when I was lost. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe that our daughter chose to come through us because we were not prepared for her. Even though I was 36 years old, we weren't ready for her. She was moving, just finishing a divorce. She, I had my daughter—I delivered my daughter on April 28th at, at um theater, and me and her mother had just only lived together for two months. Mm. She had just moved out of the house that she was with her ex-husband, mm. you know? It was that intense. We actually—my you know, my forearm right here, her name's Tina, my, and I've been in past relationships, and I always ask, why don't you get her armed? I had one girl, why don't you get her armed? Why are you— Got your ex's arm name on your arm. And I said, well, look at it close. You see Tina. Then you see a W, a small W, in between the N and the A. And then you see a T, an E, and an R. You see water. And then you see a question mark on both sides. Mm. Because Dakota was our second baby. Our first baby we lost. She went to the doctor one day and there was no more heartbeat. Mm. That's what she came and told me. Mm. And... I can remember we had a poetry show that night and it was on Crenshaw on 43rd. And I went to a place called Player Taze. It's no longer exists on Crenshaw. He was, yeah, he's an old school pimp. He had a movie, I think a documentary called Pimp Up or Hose Down or the other one that was big. Um, I forget the name of it. And Angel did this tattoo and he's crying because he had lost a baby. I'm crying because I had just lost my daughter. and And then we had Dakota like two years later. So, I think that the I wanted to do the yoga, and I wanted her mother to, to do the massage. Once again, even hear the way I say it, I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. I had to learn inside of myself. Maybe that wasn't her vision or dream. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I put that on her because part of my blessing and curse is I can see where people should be and what they should do to have an easier walk in life. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I especially the youth I deal with. And I saw that if she followed this, we could have all this together, mm-hmm. but we didn't heal up, you know? So yeah, you know, like I said, I, you know, I was with her till Dakota was three. And then from three to 10, we co-parented. And that was a journey in LA. And then um, I gave, and then she decided to move to Arizona. And the court told her she couldn't take her da- our daughter because she had to go through a process. But she left anyway. So you got this beautiful girl who, just like me, her mother told her, we're going to move to Arizona. Don't tell your daddy. Mom is going to go create a better life for us. But what happened was she couldn't take her. So she left her with me. So she left her in June of 2018. It's summertime. So I knew I had to provide the most incredible summer for our daughter mm-hmm. just to take her mind off of missing. Mommy's gone. I know she loves me, but that's mommy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nothing better And
1: throughout gone. this these years um, up to- 2018 yeah you you kept supporting yourself with yoga yoga yoga. with the
0: creative writing with the teaching we were living out in um woodland hills at the time
1: so you were doing you were doing um sharing the the technology of yoga but you also have a sort of business mind right 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 right, right. well then i didn't have my own business i was Hmm. just
0: a yoga teacher for because um i went back to all my creative writing contracts and said hey i got this new modality now that i teach and they were like oh, we've heard of the yoga. We don't really know if we want it yet. It may be kind of connected to the devil. And some places were like, yeah. Mm. So when I first started, I was hired at predominantly white places, even though I used to predominantly work with black youth mm-hmm. because they understood the progressiveness of the yoga. You know, they they saw it for that. But then over time, yoga got into the schools and I was able to go back to my community and teach. So now I teach maybe six to 700 youth a week and probably 98% are black and brown, mm-hmm. you know? So, and it's so important because it's not about the yoga, man. It's about them seeing, for a lot of my children that don't have fathers in the home, it's about them having a father figure that's not judging them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at some schools where there's no daddy in the picture at all. And you can tell it right away by the interaction. You can tell the girls that have fathers, you know, because if you got a dad at home, it's telling you you're beautiful hugging you before school starts. You don't come looking for that at school. But if you have no father figure there, you come into my class, Mr. Melvin, Mr. Melvin, I'm like, you got to sit down. Even though I know that they just want a father figure, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're in mm-hmm. class right now. So even though I call it yoga, it's really emotional wellness I'm teaching the youth. You know what I mean? So the, emotional the, literacy. The, the, the
1: main, the main <coughs> excuse me. intention... The main purpose when you teach these youth, what is, what is that for you? What is it that you really want to convey to this, this youth?
0: I want them to remember this, remember that we're source energy. You know, it's easier when they're 18 months old Mm -hmm. because I can use imaginary stories you know, their body's already moved. Like, picture your daughter already in cold. No one taught her a cobra. cobra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one told her <laughs> to roll her shoulders yeah. back, chin away from chest. Yeah. She's just in it. You know, so I'm able to give these things to them. And then as they age, most people are healing from childhood wounds. Most adults are healing from childhood wounds. So the quicker that we can heal that wound, the less you'll carry into adulthood. Mm-hmm. So... Because I work in communities that have been fractured, I've got babies that are two with traumas. You know, I got babies that are five with traumas. So it's how do we get this trauma out of them? Mm -hmm. You know, or give them a practice, not get it out of them. That's arrogant. That's making it seem like I can do the work. How do we give them a practice? So my goal is to give people practices. You know, the same way we see them carry around their video games, carry around basketballs. I want them to carry around breathing modalities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, different breath. I, I take pranayama from the highfalutin concept and bring it down, you know, with a breathing ball and show them different breathing exercises. So
1: for you, yeah. breathing is one of the practices. Oh, that...
0: that's, yeah. Well, you know what? I, got, I hated the physical aspect of yoga because it became very Hollywood, especially being out here. Mm-hmm. What's your body look like? Mm-hmm. Can you get into this pose? Mm-hmm. But then when I started working with children that were paralyzed, students that were in wheelchairs, blind students, you know, it's like, it's only about the breath
1: Hmm.
0: because the body, you know what I mean? You literally are only alive if the breath works. Mm -hmm. Every other body part, (laughs) physically especially, could be gone, could be paralyzed, could be on its last leg. But if you've got that breath, you can practice it. Mm -hmm. I remember I worked with a guy and I always use him as an example. Cardio means heart.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Doesn't mean move fast. Mm -hmm. So you know you can sit and focus on your breath for so long that you can generate a sweat on your body. I had a gentleman that did chair yoga because of his weight. He could drench himself in sweat. And not because of his extra weight, they call it heat, but because that pranayama, that breath control was so strong.
1: So that's Uh, one of the methods you use the most uh, to help them. Because ultimately, like when we talk about... Pranayama, breath. What is breath? Well, breath is, it's it's prana, right? It's life force. And especially in the the kumbhaka, the retention of breath is where all this sort of traumatic events in our life gets locked. So that practice can help really release a traumatic event in our lives through breath work.
0: Through breath work. And to me, it's the only work that matters. You know, I think through breath work, everything else is a byproduct. If I do the breath work, I get my mind right and I want my body healthy. If I do the breath work, the alcohol won't feel good on my belly because I've cleaned my liver out. And now my body doesn't even want the alcohol, doesn't even want the sugar. So I think that it's almost reverse engineering. If we start at the breath, then we can get to the body, you know. And then if we start at the breath, we can become so compassionate because we can serve it to anybody, You know, because I have a lot of people that will say, oh, I can't do yoga because I can't touch my toes. Yeah. Can you breathe? You know.
1: So throughout these years and this practice and the teachings, you have found uh, um, sort of like a path road into the breath.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's the main thing. That's, for you now.
0: that's my main thing. Of course, I still teach the physical practice because especially mm-hmm. in schools, mm-hmm. you know, it's political and they don't have gym like they used to. Mm-hmm. So they ask you to add that modality in. But because there's so much money and, and focus on mental health right now, yeah, that now they want the stillness practice. You know, I, I still teach adults periodically, but most people don't want to sit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I... You know, I go to places, studios, and they see my vibe, and be like, ooh, you could pack them in. Not anymore. <laughs> 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 nope, can't yeah. pack them in anymore. You know, I may do one-offs or something like that, yeah. you know, business-wise, but I can't pack it. Nope, because they're not going to want to come sit and be still. Yeah. And and that's yeah. a bit that
1: comes with, like, your own practice and dedication yeah. because you realize... I want to share the stuff that's really working out for me. Yeah, that I can really feel the shift. I can really feel yes. uh, the change, and and like you said, the whole unfortunately the whole um, physical part of it in our yeah. society being so driven by by vanity and look right, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just through our own practice or reveals that hey, I, I, I really see in the breath or I see in the chanting, the vibration or whatever it is that. And we start to find that sort of niche that yeah. sort of like wrote, yeah. okay, this is something that, um, taking it back to you, I wanna come back to for the, sure, live there, for that sure. 2018 summer, uh, you, wanna, you were your daughter, the yeah. color.
0: so, okay, go back there. So, summer's great, incredible summer. Um, her grandparents actually lived in LA at the time, and we don't have the best relationship. So the first day of school she got to school and mommy wasn't there. That was her first big hit, you know, cuz she was able to escape in the summer. Oh, it's just summer, but it hit her like it hit me at mm. 14. I don't have my daddy mm. and everybody else has their daddy. I don't have my daddy. I feel less than. And she didn't have her mommy. So at that time, we were at Baldwin Hills and we lived in Encino. It was a long push, long haul, because mom used to live right around the corner from the school. So that was a real ruckus in the morning, getting ready, already not wanting to be there. Grandparents not liking the way I combed their hair because the first day of school, mm. you know, just too much intervention. <laughs> you know, once again, amazing spirits, man. They're dealing with their own life and, and childhood wounds, you know, but... I asked her one morning, I said, do you want daddy to move you to a school out in the valley so we just can... No, 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 I want to be with my friends. No, 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 no. I said, do you want to move to Arizona with your mommy? And she broke down crying. Mm. I was like, oh. <sighs>
1: Oof.
0: I got to let this girl go back to mommy. Mm. Because, you know, I'm so in tune with dakota that two things happened her mom used to make this sound in her throat when we first met and i was like she's pretty as hell but why is she making this weird sound in her throat and then she shared with me one day that she dealt with a thyroid condition her mother her mother okay now you know the fifth chakra Mm -hmm. the thyroid gland Mm -hmm. kundalini calls it the happiness Mm -hmm. gland Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the health comes from your authentic truth. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the non-balance comes from not being able to be true with your tongue. Well, I started hearing our daughter make that sound at night in bed. Mm -hmm. Then she used to go into the the refrigerator. I thought the refrigerator was broke because the refrigerator and the freezer would be open in the morning time. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell's going on here? She was sneaking, eating ice cream. Hmm. So now she's emotionally eating. Her thyroid gland is acting up. And she's feeling abandoned because the woman she loves, the woman she was in for 10 months, isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I can remember us walking when we decided I was crying with snot. You know, that probably traumatized her seeing me cry like that. But I was just like, I got to give you what you love, but I don't want to let you go. I don't want to let you go, but I got to let you go. Because Mm -hmm. if, you know, your mental health is now showing up on your body with the emotional eating, with the making the noises in the thyroid gland, with that first two days of school just being terrible, you know, not having mommy there anymore. And. And then having me there, you know what I mean? It wasn't Mm, free. like my mom, It was Mm. really weird because it's like, damn, I had my mom for three years in high school as my assistant principal. So most kids, their school is their getaway. I couldn't even get away from my mom. Dakota couldn't even get away from me because I'm there. So I let her go back. Her mom came back. I said, "I'll, I'll, I'll grant you custody to let her move to Arizona, but you have to follow these things. My every other weekend, my summers, um, and the main thing was therapy because I was in therapy at 14. So I understood the importance of therapy, you know, that allowed me to know I was a writer. I wouldn't be able to write. I wouldn't know when I was a writer. if The woman wouldn't have said, just write down how you feel. I didn't stop to this day. Well, the judge signed off. She signed off. I signed off. She left. The next day, she signed her up for school in Arizona, and the paperwork said, mother's name, father's name, it fi- in custody. She put that she had full custody, and then for when it put my address, she put non-available. Mm. So she lied on the paperwork. A day after leaving court, she lied on the paperwork. I had to go to this new school. And it took them till October to verify that that was my daughter before they could start giving me information about my daughter. Mm. So that was a bad sign. Like, oh, wow, she never had planned on even listening to the judge. So we're, August will be two years. And last summer, out of the seven weeks I was supposed to have her, I had her for 10 days. And she should be here right now. She's supposed to be in my custody June 5th. And I uh, went to Arizona well, before I went to Arizona, I called to do a welfare check because I couldn't locate her mother. And the officer, she calls me back and she says, Mr. Boyce, I talked to your daughter. She's good. But she's in Atlanta, Georgia right now. What? What? <laughs> she's where? <laughs> mm. But this is a trip. This is a trip, mm. man, because mm. we try to pretend like people shock us with information. Mm-hmm. But I knew because... She had, you know, because of COVID-19, all the classes are on Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a great relationship with her teacher in Arizona. And she emailed me because she was like, listen, Dakota was on Zoom for the last class. And she hadn't really been on Zoom all summer, mm-hmm. which makes me think she could be been in Atlanta for a while because COVID hit late March. Kids were home late March. Well, the teacher said that Dakota didn't have on her screen, her video screen and her sound was on mute. So how are you showing up for sixth grade class and you're not showing your face to the teacher? All my students have to show their face. Mm-hmm. This is like being in class hiding under the desk, right? Mm-hmm. And it was on audio. And then she says, she texted her, but I can hear you. That hit me like she's hiding something. Mm. That's deception. So when the officer told me she was in Atlanta, I was like, wow, she blatantly told the officer I know I'm breaking the custody order, Hmm. but I thought it was safer during COVID to send her to Atlanta. Atlanta has 50,000 cases of COVID-19, where our daughter lives in Glendale, Arizona, has Mm 1,200. So even the officer was like, nothing really made sense, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but there's nothing we can do. So that's where we are presently, you know, but once again, it's like, how do we keep our daughter's mental health together? Because she's been spirit washed. You know, she's very mean when she talks to me. She doesn't want to talk. It's tough for her to engage with me like it is for her mother. And that's why I go back to, yeah, I'm righteous when it comes to the paperwork. I'm righteous when it comes to the legal world. But my daughter's not here right now. And all I ever wanted to be was a dad. So how do I stay healthy in that? Mm-hmm. You know, I know a guy right now, if I took you to a certain community, he's a crack addict on a bicycle. And you would look at him and be like, whoa. And I'd be like, no, bro. He was just like me, actually better. Mm-hmm. But he lost his daughter and he snapped. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Yeah, You know, I mean, you know, I mean, you never mm-hmm. know. And because how do we know the brain work and the senses work, just walking over here, I see a dad with his daughter on the shoulders. like, my almost six foot daughter to this day wants me to carry her around, you know. So I had to.
1: Well, it takes it takes had to, to, to <laughs> cool my nerve. Cool. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's
0: and that's when yeah. I go back to the toolbox because I could yeah. easily text you back and say, "Hey, you know what, bro? I apologize. I don't think I could do this today." And found me a bar on Santa Monica and drank my yeah. blues away. Yeah. Versus, yeah. I said, "Okay, let me take a pause." And know that it's just an illusionary thing going through my nervous system right now. That's just my sympathetic nervous system, my fight or flight. Ooh, I want to be that dad right now. Ooh, I want to run to Atlanta now and get my daughter. It's like no.
1: And going back to the gift of yeah, breath, that's of breath. That gives yeah, you that yeah. that opportunity to to spend less time in that sort of uh, blind reactive mode. Right and, but and, and be more of, yeah. okay, rather than that, I'm just going to run to a bar and, you know, yeah, get yeah. shit phase. Let me just cool down with the bread, take a moment, really. <sighs> right? Right. But so you, your daughter now is almost, is 12. She's 12. And she you're teaching all these kids are pretty much yeah. similar ages and yeah, stuff. Yeah. They say words don't teach anything. Right. Right. So what are the most important teachings you try to convey to these kids and to your daughters? You think at this point in your life, what's the most important values you like to cultivate for these kids? Mm.
0: Self-love.
1: How can that be cultivated? Um,
0: just through the practice, you know, it's so crazy because my master teacher I used to think he was a bullshitter because he would only use a few words. It would always be like the practice, the work. Mm -hmm. No, I want something more intellectual. I Mm -hmm. want something Mm -hmm. more, you know. And it's like, no, I mean, through the breath, you're able to go into the spirit. And then through the spirit, you're able to realize you're just on a human journey. Mm -hmm. So that when your hair doesn't look like the white girl's hair. You've done so much work, you've become comfortable with how you look. When you don't have economically what other people seem to maybe have, you do the practice, you do the breath, everything's okay. You know, I just, I don't know. Like, I would have had a great intellectual answer for you a while ago, but it's just really you know, the practice, like when I'm dealing with youth, I mean, and when oh, right you, when
1: now. you, when you said the practice, I'm just the, besides oh, the breath, all the, all the besides I mean, is, the
0: breath, um, what
1: is the practice? Oh, it's just
0: the breath, the breath. Yeah. The, the literally. Practice of breath. Yeah, the practice of breath. I literally, man, I'm at a point because I've had so many, I mean, I've dealt with people that are full paralysis. Mm-hmm. They can't give you anything but the breath, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I go from that standpoint. You know, I had a student for three years. He was a blind. He was a comedy writer, and he was fully blind since sixteen. And the five senses. You know, I love meditation tool, mm-hmm. and I should say meditation and stillness. Meditation and stillness, because from the head up is where all these five senses that causes suffering live. Yeah. So it's that constant check in to be. How do you? Oh, just be present. Just be in the now. Like, okay, Eckhart, that looks cool on the cover <laughs> yeah. of the book but I need to practice on how to be now, how to be present. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, the breathing and the meditation and the body really last, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because I deal in communities of high levels of type 2 diabetes. I live in the communities of hypertension, you know, and I know that with the breathing and the meditation, that can tame all that. And then the body, you know, doing the breathing, it's like you don't need to do abs if you're doing it, if you're pulling in that (laughs) belly and that, the holds, you know, so. Yeah.
1: This reminds me of a, a story. I don't know if you heard the story. There's a story of um, there is this professor. is He's traveling on this ship, and he has all the letters be before his name. He has a PhD, the M.D., whatever, right? So, at nighttime comes, and and uh, there's a young boy working on the on the ship, and they're uh, up and uh, they're looking at the stars, and they start having this conversation, and. The professor tells the, the young boy, young boy, have you ever studied geography? And the young boy no, I, I don't know what that is. Never heard of it. Young boy, you have wasted a quarter of your life. Geography is the science of the continents and how this is, okay. Following night, again, there's an encounter. Professor asks the young boy, young boy, have you ever studied oceanography? Oceanography is like, oh shit, no. He says, Young boy, how come you're not studying oceanography? That's the science of oceans. You have wasted two quarters of your life, half of your life. The young kid is like, oh shit, depressed. So next day, same thing. This time, professor asks, Have you ever studied astrology? Young boy is like, oh shit, no astrology says the professor is the science of the starts planets where you travel It's like young boy you have wasted three quarters of your life young boy is like shit you know i just wasted all my life pretty much next night is the young boy you know turn he comes around and he's like professor professor have you ever studied swimmingology and professor is like Swimmingology is like, oh, I haven't heard of that. What are you talking about? It says, swimmingology is the science of swimming. The 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 sheep just had a wreck and is sinking and only those who know how to swim are going to survive. Professor, you have wasted all your life. See ya. Uh,
0: see. You <laughs> so it's, it's all about like, it doesn't matter intellectually how yeah, many books yeah. you're going to eat and it everything. Yeah, it's about the practice. It's about the practice and that. And that's what I try to convey is, you know, because you're dealing with people that, you know, going to college may not be their journey. And right now, if you can take this wellness practice and not only make it work for you, but make a it's a vocation, you know, vocations are gone now, you know, and people look down on vocations. I mean, I wish I knew how to fix a toilet. I wish I knew how to put pipes together. You know what I mean? You always be needed because the toilet's always breaking.
1: And nowadays it's called YouTube.
0: Right now, (laughs) right, 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 right. Right nowadays it's called YouTube. So... You know, and then they still don't do it right. Still got to call the plumber, <laughs> right? And they make yeah. more money because it's like, oh, you fuck these pipes yeah. up worse. Bar- Bart Simpson, right?
1: Right. What's Come the name on. of the of the dad Simpson? Um, Who likes to fix everything and then I fucked up everything. I, mean, I haven't
0: seen it in a while. <laughs> What's his name? Homer. Homer. <laughs> Homer. No, is that. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah, man. So I, you know, my thing is pretty simple, man. It's just trying to, you know, and take the wound, get the wounds out. You know what I mean? It's a lot of wounded babies in the black community. You know, it's, it's an imbalance of what's been done to us in this country. I mean, and that's why I had to let the anger go once I realized my position in the war. And that's what's so interesting about what's going on now. I had some students, Mr. Melvin, you're not posting about what's going on with all the killings. Mr. Melvin, I said, because I'm a medic in the war. Because you know what? I'm a medic. I'm the doctor in the war. The doctor didn't go fight on the front lines. He stayed back when the wounded people came and he badged them up, gave them inspiration to send them back out. I'm showing our people how to calm their nervous system through breath, understand the manipulation that's going on, learning that once, you know, we used to read a newspaper, put it down and then process that news for the next eight hours. Now, in five minutes, you can get 800 articles and have no time to process it because now you got another 800 articles you're processing. I only need to know how somebody died once. I only need to see a video, actually never, because the words are enough. But if I do see the video, I definitely only need to see the video once. I got people I work with, I can't stop looking at it. Yeah, I can't stop. That's like, I know you got to stop though. Yeah, Because it's too much. Yeah, And if you don't know how to empty your trash can, you're gonna have a whole room with fucking trash, and,
1: and so you're, you've you clearly have chosen to be part of the solution, not the problem. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you What do you feel? Not externally, but internally, is the biggest enemy of black people in this country.
0: Biggest enemy
1: internally. Hmm.
0: History I think history is the biggest enemy Because Because People have had Things embedded inside of them Since childhood I mean Some devastating things happened in our community That are so devastating That people forget It's a short time You know Literally 55 years ago, I couldn't go use the restroom on the corner right here at the restaurant. 55 years. Mm -hmm. I'm 48. Yeah. Seven years before I was Mm -hmm. born, I couldn't go in the bathroom in that restaurant, or I had me and you'd have to go to separate ones, you know, or the same ones, you know. And then white people could go in that one. So it's a lot of wounds. History is the biggest enemy because people can't let go of history because. We're not practicing letting go, but do we let go of history? I mean, I live in Glendale right now and you know, April 24th, they celebrate the genocide that happened with the Ottoman empire. I still see them argue with, you know, if a fucking Turk came up, they would probably kill him or Mm -hmm. hurt him. Mm -hmm. So that happened what 108 years ago, but they don't have to deal with that Holocaust anymore. We don't ask them to forget We're asked to forget about it. Oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. We're, we're not loving the way we should love. We're segregated still. And, you know, if you think about Martin and Malcolm, what was scary for America was that they were meeting in the middle. We always talk about Dr. King. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I have a dream. But I always tell people, go read Dr. King's speeches a year before he was killed. Mm-hmm. He said, I led my people into a burning building when they had to deal with integration. Mm. You know? Mm. Because so this... we haven't had a time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been writing this book forever.
1: Welcome Where, to the club. I know, right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. <Well. clears throat>
0: Excuse me, but if you're, a duck, mm-hmm. if you're a duck, if you're a duck, if you're a duck, You should go to a duck school. You should go to a a duck eyeglass doctor. You should go to a duck restaurant until you feel so good about who you are as a duck that now you can go hang out with penguins. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to go hang out with penguins and say, man, I wish I was a penguin. I wish my hair looked like them. I wish I waddled like them. You're going to be like, wow, those penguins are so amazing, just like me. And now I can celebrate them. And hopefully they can celebrate me. Well, every community has that opportunity. You really see that in L.A., but the black community. I love the Jewish, Hasidic Jewish community. I lived in Encino for two years. And, oh, man, remember I cried one day. It was, like, late at night, and I saw, like, Two fathers, a grandfather, and four boys walking. And they celebrate bar mitzvah, bat Mm -hmm. mitzvah, right? Mm -hmm. They celebrate manhood at 13, Mm -hmm. 14. Culture, you're a man now. You know, you go on their street and it's all Jewish owned. What kind of confidence does that put into those young Jewish boys? It's all they know. This whole block is owned by my community. So you don't have to tell them Jewish is beautiful. Like black is beautiful. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say, I'm Jewish, I'm proud. You don't have to make songs about it because you live it. Mm -hmm. You know, usually you say something to remind people of something. And why do I remind you of something? Because you've forgotten it. So we haven't got the opportunity to fully be in love with ourselves internally. We are fantasy wise. Look at my hair. Look at my this. Look at my that. And that's beautiful. But internally, man, we haven't got a chance just to... And not only that, we're the only community where... And I lived it, so I know it, where you literally have a group of black people drinking tea and they'll be like, my daughter's the only black kid at that school. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. The alligators celebrate their alligator child being in school with sharks, Hmm. being the only shark there. But we celebrate that because... That's our inferiority complex. We were so happy to be able to go eat at the restaurant on the corner that we let all the black restaurants close. You know, we were so happy to be able to move to Santa Monica, so now we left the black community. It's real simple. You got all these black people in Hollywood with all this money, if they all moved back to the most lowest denominator community, it would flip overnight. You know why I know it's true? Because gentrification is going on right now in those communities. Yeah. And we get to see it as adults mm. at this age. You know, you go, and I think even before gentrification, you know where USC is, right? Take a square, USC. You got five minutes from campus, one of the most intense Hoover Crip gangs. And then two blocks over, you'll see co-eds laying out, suntanning with their blanket. Hmm. But then you go to your Wi-Fi. When I lived off of Adams and Budlong, you go to your Wi-Fi to steal Wi-Fi, right? Back <laughs> in the day, you try to steal somebody's Wi-Fi. You see three FBI van Wi-Fis pop up. Because those people aren't going to send their kids hundred grand a year and not be protected in those bad communities. Mm-hmm. So if you can protect these two streets, why can't you protect the street over? So it's not so much the com- it's not the physical environment. It's the mental environment. But once again, that's why you say, what's the biggest enemy? And it's just the history. You know what I mean? Things have been so embedded. You know, and and, and until I see one of these white celebrities know that it's okay to talk about what they are, that's when I believe change is going on. When I see people start to make real change, start saying, you know what? You have to sacrifice. You got to let shit go. I think it was Serena's husband, and, and I don't know him but he stepped down on the board and was like, you all need to put a black person on this board. I don't need Mm -hmm. to be on this board. Mm -hmm. There's so many organizations that serve black people and the whole board doesn't look like the people they serve. So you inherently, and like I said, I live in every community here. When you see your own, there's another passion and zest that's there. You could take it to some of the superficial as Hollywood. How is a room full of white writers writing for a black show? And that's all you write. Mm-hmm. Because it's just the way the game's built up, you know, and it's not right or wrong, it's just it's not human na- it's not nature.
1: So in your heart, yeah, yeah. in your heart, what will be the best friend for this young black kids growing up in this Times what would be the best friend you can present to them, introduce to them mentally? Best friend, yeah, mentally,
0: mentally themselves. What Men, does that mean? The man. It's really all about the self. I mean, as simple as it sounds, it's really about what is the self? That's the spirit.
1: What's the spirit?
0: The energy. <laughs> Come on, bring it, what's the energy? Yeah,
1: because I mean, you you, you're, tell, mean, it's, like it's, you're it's, telling this to uh, to uh, someone who's never had dipped their toes in and this waters, and you say, well, the self, and they'll be like, what is that? Well, see, well,
0: because yeah. we're adults having that conversation Maybe. right now. Yeah. Like, if you see me in action, uh-huh. you know, like I got a second grader who could come in here right now and if I go like this, if I go like this, I'll say, what, what nervous system am I in? Mm-hmm. are you in? He'll like, say, oh, you're in the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. You're in Sankofa. Because mm-hmm. this is Sankofa, the sympathetic nervous system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is Pamogia. the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So then I'm able to tell my students when they're running around the class, should you be in Pammoja right now or should you be in Sankofa right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Melvin, I should be in Pammoja. I should be mm-hmm. resting and digesting. Mm-hmm. So... That's why, like I said, the the question is tough to answer. Like, what's the sell? But all I know is I'm just given these tools. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I can... I can tell you how to build the house or I can give you the tools to build the house. You may never build the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You may not build it until you're 30 years old and realize, okay, now I need these tools.
1: It's like you can give them a fish for the day. They can fill their bellies or they can teach them to fish for the lifetime.
0: For a lifetime. And, and so
1: you, yeah. you truly believe that through these practices, method, breath and so on, you're actually guiding them back to who they really are, themselves? Yeah,
0: to themselves. Yeah, to their higher self. You know, if you look at it as a higher vibration, you know, I... Brother, I'm in the cut. I'm in the cut. I see shit that people talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm on the bus. I'm on the 115, which is the Manchester bus. I'm on there with 30 kids at Inglewood High School. I'm on there with 25 young black girls who all have on weaves or who all have on wigs because mm-hmm. they don't feel comfortable with who they are. a whole bus, not three or four, but a whole bus because the culture that's been sold to them is you're not enough. Mm-hmm. you don't, you got to cover up who you are. Mm-hmm.
1: I, which yeah. which also in yeah, yeah. a, a minor scale but happens a lot too um in um i know in south america places yeah, like yeah, Colombia, yeah. and i know here in some places sure the size of your breast right, right. the size right. of your butt so there's all this plastic surgery where you right, inject right. all this crap into your breast because there's a belief that you're not enough right in that the, you need to have a Right, you know,
0: I beg, but, but take mm-hmm. that analogy. I live in the valley. Mm-hmm. I see that all day long on the mm-hmm. So two mm-hmm. blocks of that, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably the most healthiest way to get it done. But go to the black and brown communities. Our babies are dying in in in, in motel sixes, getting cement shot in their butt. You know, mm-hmm. so it's you know that's probably why I never get invited to parties or hang out a lot because I'm in. I'm I see it all all day long. I see what. The music does to our babies you know mm-hmm. people oh you don't like Meg the stallion or oh, you don't like Beyonce mm-hmm. yeah because there's I get to see what's happening to them mm-hmm. you know I get to see it and and I don't like what I see but I you know because I grow up I grew up so diverse mm-hmm. you know and I and I and I because of the organizations my parents had me in I'm six degrees of separation from every black CEO my age. I'm six degrees separation from every black doctor. I'm six degrees from every black affluent person. I'm six degrees just because I was part of an organization called Jack and Jill of America, which is one of the most black elitist organizations. W.E.B. Du Bois, who's a black historian leader, has something called the Talented Tim. He said that, and then you have Booker T. Washington. And Booker T. said, pull yourself up by the bootstraps." W.E. said the 10% of the black population will save the other 90. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with Booker T. It's a meeting in the middle. Mm-hmm. But now we got to save ourselves. There's not going to be some, some you know, you have a lot of black talking heads. Mm-hmm. You have more black talking heads than you have more black people on the front work doing line on the front work, you know? Mm-hmm. And I understand why. I mean, if I would have finished my PhD, I would have been part of the 2%. Only two to four percent of Black people have PhDs. There's only five percent Black doctors. So automatically, you all become NBA ball players when you reach heights. Mm-hmm. So it, it puts you away from the community. And I've made choices, and I don't want trophies for it. But goddamn, if I leave, who's there? Mm-hmm. Who's there? You go right now. There's a guy named James Woods in Riverside, that yoga dude on on Instagram. That's the only black dude I can show you to teach his kids yoga. Mm-hmm. But yoga is in all LAUSD schools. So what's that mean? Who's teaching them? You know, so I just, I am, um, man, you ask so many great questions about who's the enemy. I just think history and um, yeah, yeah, man. Uh,
1: do you feel in your heart, do you feel at this point in your life, you are a successful person
0: in your journey? Oh, that fluctuates because I'm human. You know, all I ever wanted was a family. You know, all I ever wanted was to be able to wake up, see my daughter every day, have more kids, you know, have a wife. You know, I I had that concept in my mind. So, in that area, I don't feel as a success. But if I die leaving this podcast today, they probably have to rent out Disneyland, or they probably have to rent out an auditorium with all the children mm. that I've affected. You know what I mean? I am. When I share that with some of my people, that I share things with, they remind me. There's like, trip off this. You don't have that one spirit that you made your daughter, but you have thousands and thousands of kids' lives you've changed. I Man, I've changed. I've, I've added to so many kids lives I don't want to say change I've added to so many I've been able to be part of so many children's journeys that I've forgotten I've been I've been educating for 26 years bro and I just I've forgotten the work I've put in so I'm gonna you know they say you get the flowers when you go I'll get the flowers when I go but right now I don't I feel like a failure when it comes to family. I mean, shit, my daughter's supposed to be here with me. She's supposed to be taking over this podcast right now. She's supposed to be telling you, you know what I'm saying, what it is. And Father's Day is right around the corner and you get caught up in that hype.
1: And what if this would be the most powerful way that you can inspire your your baby daughter? What if Mm -hmm. the separation you have right now, this moment, and eventually when, eventually, God willing, you know, she has her own uh, opinions and own rights, and right, she's right, uh, right, you know, older right. enough. And this moments actually were the moments more uh, powerful in her development, and the way yeah. it's happening is really yeah. the way it's serving her.
0: The well, way, yeah, yeah. I um, I think just reminding her that she doesn't owe me anything mm-hmm. because I know academically, I know intellectually what phases she'll go through now. Mm-hmm. You know, she's gonna go through. Mm-hmm hating mommy for a little bit because mm-hmm. she was like, damn, you kept me away from daddy. Even though I want to be with her, I'm still not there. So that anger is there. I just want her to be able to move through those wounds smoother, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm just, you listen to my album that I did, my album before that. It's just homages to her, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But once again, brother, I saw her before she was formed. Yeah. I saw her in the spirit world, and she even told me, don't get caught up on labels. You're going to call me your daughter, but I'm not your daughter. I chose to come through you. So I'm just, you know, I, I, I find faith in the physical world that I pulled my daughter out the womb. My friend Paul called her, and I'll never forget the blessing he gave me. He was like, "Make sure you deliver your daughter and put your hand right over the vagina, so that when you pull her out, you take her over to that little cart with the light, and then when you lift your hands up, your eyes will be the first eyes she sees." Mm-hmm. So from that moment till the first day of fifth grade, I was a farmer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know, yeah, but you,
1: I don't know, just hearing by his, yeah. what you saying yeah. I think is extremely successful with the wisdom. I understand that there's no labels. There's no, yeah. Yeah. I am your father. I am your maker. And right. I can completely relate because five months ago, I also was the one pull daughter yeah, my yeah. from, you know, yeah. and uh, that moment um, and there's no way you, you can express that with words. But fortunately I feel that it was really powerful to be in the place that I am at, 46 which doesn't mean any anything but yeah, to have same. the understanding that this being has come here is not my property is not something I own is not something that i'm gonna raise but rather is something i'm here to help her cultivate whatever her purpose and journey is and you call it detachment you call it whatever it is but for me the understanding is that she's a free spirit i don't yeah. own her
0: right
1: and i love being around her and also but i also understand that she's her own force and i'm only here to cultivate that that's it. That's um right. so i just want to just uh, it's been almost two hours brother
0: really yes yeah. that's, so that's how it love. is yeah that is space and time continuum, yeah. baby is so a construct you <laughs> <laughs> space is it
1: the last thing, uh, just to close this, uh, since you spoke about that, yeah. um, you, you just released on um, on Bandcamp. You released this new album, Spoken yes, Yoga. So yes. Spoken
0: Yoga is a way of well, that's the name of the site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my business name, but mm-hmm. the, um, the album is called The High Eight Us, mm-hmm. and I named it that because it's a play on words. There's the word hiatus, which is of course a break yeah. or something. Yeah. And that's the break I feel like I have with my daughter yeah. these last two years. But the high ate us. That the high of her physically being mm-hmm. ate me up at a mm-hmm. time, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, I released that on Bandcamp now. Um, it'll be on the major streaming services on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. But what I did was is I'm teaching a summer program called Spoken Yoga, Summer of Self-Care. And it's going to be a Tuesday and Thursday program starting June 23rd. And I, on Tuesdays, I teach yoga meditation. On Thursdays, we do what's called purpose painting, where we paint different mantras, like, Mm -hmm. I am amazing, Mm -hmm, I am great, mm -hmm. be still, whatever they want to paint. So the reason I released it on Bandcamp, because Bandcamp is like the old school record labels. You could just sell it. You could buy it, and it's in my account, and I can make that money work right away.
1: Also, also you get... um you get room for people if they want to actually donate more or pay more. Right, they and can like, donate yeah, more, yeah, they can pay
0: more. Yeah. You know, so yeah, but it's out now on Bandcamp, and then on Father's Day it'll be like on all you know the Spotify title. They pay like five cents per album. Listen.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, let that, that not even go yeah. there. But well, I look so, at it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So spoken yoga is is yeah. is your side, and
0: yeah, well, will set um, DeepRed.Bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and and what you're going to be doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Is that going to be virtual? Where is it going to virtual,
0: be virtual? Yeah, everything okay. is still virtual. Yeah, they haven't allowed. Well, not that I've heard of. Most summer camps are staying virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's what's coming next.
0: That's what's coming next, man. Is that's coming next? Um, I um, yeah, I just finished that album, so I'm not working on writing or anything. I'm just. I want to talk about something else in my work now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think these last two albums have been needed because it was cathartic. It was healing. Yeah. But I need to get back to some lovey-dovey shit. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need to, yeah, yeah just personally. Yeah. I'm happy because I'm happy too at times. Yeah. You know what I mean? And But I had to use that really almost as a as a capsule for my daughter. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I want her to, if I leave the planet physically or if we never meet again, because that, that can happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I Me, mean, my yeah. father never fully reconciled, you know, but I want her to have work to be able to go back to, to heal her.
1: Oh, so man, yeah. is in there. A, I heard the whole thing and just, it's there. Thank you. You made it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, and I understand. Oh, that, that means a lot, yeah. Oh, man. And I understand what you're saying, like, especially with this whole wellness, spirituality, there there could be a, a tendency to go towards the pain and towards like this, and yeah. the depression and, uh, uh But we might get to plays where it was all about how can I inspire like with happiness, with joy.
0: Well, let me tell you, you just, you just reminded me, man, I'm working on, I'm studying, so you won't think I stole, but (laughs) I'm studying and listening to uh, Ziggy Marley's album Uh right now, Uh Family Time. He actually won a Grammy two years ago. There's an, and it's a, it's a great wellness album, you know, so I'm going to make a fun album for kids and. Poetry and breathe in, breathe out, you know. I, so. I
1: hear you, brother. Yeah, all, all, all the music that I want to do now is I want to be, make yeah. happy music.
0: Come on, look at what you got, man. Yeah. You can't help that picture you showed that beautiful daughter. It's like,
1: yeah, yeah, man. it's just like yeah. that's what it is. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: The main question, which it comes naturally every time, but I guess that would be a perfect time to, to close um, our conversation today. How will you
0: define? Love. Mm. How will I define love? Wow. Just being, I define love as as just being in touch with ourselves. I keep using breath, you know, but love is so many levels. And
1: mm. Do you have any poetry that can be close to define what love is? Do you want to share with us one last poem?
0: Oh, yeah, I can create something right now. This has been so stimulating. Let's hear it. it. Okay. I close my eyes and there you go. I feel the wind touch my skin and there you go. I smell your favorite dish and there you go. I feel my inhale touch my upper lip like the palm of your hand used to touch mine. And there you go. I hear your favorite song. And there you go. You never left. You never went anywhere. We're just in a moment of escaping back to our pure essence and sitting here on this journey, finding out what our purpose is. We were only meant to part the flesh to provide freedom for others. And if it's meant for us to come back together, then I'll be able to look you in your eyes and smile and say, there you go. That's it, brother. Yeah, I can't get my daughter out of (laughs) my mind. so crazy, man. I'll be trying to, it's so wild. That's really what I wanted to know, man. I think if, I am a success at that. I'm a success, I and let this little I girl like, know that I that I fucking love her, man, and miss I her. I feel you. I, I feel that your mind is just speaking
1: the truth, yeah. of your heart. Yeah, 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 and that is love.
0: That's love, man. That's love, man. And that's brother. the place. That is. That is.
1: The man, the legend, the poet, <sighs> the farmer, the farmer, baby. Well, no matter what, please. We need many, 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 many more farms like yourselves. So yes, sir. I'm building them, man.
0: I'm building them.
1: Continue, continue serving, cultivating, planting. <sighs> yes.
0: Lots. Got an army of healers coming. You know, lots man. of love. Thank you, brother. Thank so you, good brother. to see you. Thank Likewise. Yeah.
1: Like like they say in India, Namaste. <laughs>
0: namaste. 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 Right. <laughs> yes. Yes.